and welcome to Autistically Unapologetic, the unfiltered and unmasked podcast about everything autism. Here's your host, Devin Morrissey. Hello, and welcome to Autistically Unapologetic with me, Devin Morrissey. I officially want to welcome you all to episode seven, where today I'm going to be talking about autism parents. Now, many parents out there have autistic children, but have you ever wondered what it's like to be an autism parent and be autistic at the exact same time? The rate of people being diagnosed with autism has gone up in recent years. And in fact, the latest rate, according to the CDC, shows that one in about 36 people have been diagnosed autistic, which has also lately been including parents getting diagnosed. Now, there has been very little formal research about experience and needs of families with parents and children both on the autism spectrum, but there has been a significant amount of viable information on web pages and blogs, such as that of my next guest. My next guest runs her own blog called The Autism Cafe, where she shares her own insights and input into the world of not just her own autism, but that of her children. She is also an author of two highly successful books, ranging in topics from autism, self-worth, and much more. Please welcome to Autistically Unapologetic, Eileen Lamb. Hi, Eileen. How are you? Good. So my first question that I wanted to ask you, Eileen, um, is when did you first find out that you were autistic and what was your reaction to that? So I was in my 20s when I found out. That happened after my son, Charlie, uh, my oldest son, was diagnosed with autism. Um, there was, it was a long, long process at first. Really? Um, you know, so... Charlie was diagnosed with autism, and then I tell my mom uh, that my son has been diagnosed with autism. And first she says, it's such an American thing. Okay. And then she was just, uh, you know, telling me, and it can be autistic because you're the exact same way as a child, except you talked a lot. So she didn't Mm -hmm. think Charlie could be autistic because I was similar as a child. And, and that's it, you know, I, I didn't think much of it at the time. But then um, I started reading more and more about high-functioning autism. Mm. And uh, after, after a year, I uh, decided to go through a therapeutic assessment to, to get myse- myself evaluated. You know, I had taken some online tests and everything was like high risk for autism, but it's just like internet, and I didn't trust that as, as a diagnosis. I wanted to, to see a professional, um, you mm-hmm. know, because there are a lot of conditions that can look like autism, but that are not autism. So it was important yeah. for that professional diagnosis. And so that was dozen and dozen of hours of tests with that psychologist talking to, you know, people in my life, answering questions, all of that. At the end of it, she told me, I had high-functioning autism and that I would have been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome if it had been just a couple years uh, earlier. And to answer your question, how did it feel? Well, it was like mixed mixed emotions. Like on one hand, I was happy I had answers um, because I always felt like something was wrong with me. You knew something was up. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew it. Like, it's just, I just didn't fit in with my peers. I was always, yeah. Yes, I absolutely.
absolutely know the feeling when I, like, because I was diagnosed at a very young age, but when I found out, I'm like, okay, it makes some sense, but at the same time, I'm just like, how the heck am I supposed to fit in with my peers if I'm autistic? Like, how is that going to work? How did it work? Well, it wasn't easy for sure. Um, and I can imagine um, that it, it might have not been easy for you. I'm really curious to hear a little bit about your life growing up. Um, were there any signs that you may have noticed looking back now that led to your autism diagnosis? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying. I was always felt different and out of place. I had like different interests from my peers. I couldn't do simple things like, you know, go to the movie theater everyone was always so excited to me that was like hell concerts like you know noise and i had a lot of anxiety uh, at school uh, my mom like worked very very hard to teach me to say like hi to make eye contact and yeah. all of that you know so it's like insight is is 2020 you know in the us i think i wouldn't have been missed but in france there is a big we're very late when it comes to autism awareness. And you know, I'm, I'm high functioning, so mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely, that's actually really interesting um, that you were able to take note of sort of like, you know, what you were talking about with your mom and how that eventually led to this diagnosis. I find it really interesting actually. Um, so I wanna talk a little bit about your blog, The Autism Cafe. Um, it is, for those of you that do not know, The Autism Cafe is an informational autistic blog that you started in 2015 and you discuss everything that is autism related. Um, what made you decide that you wanted to start The Autism Cafe? Honestly, I just, at first, I just wanted to stay in touch with, you know, my family, update, update them on Charlie's diagnosis, my oldest. And then I started to want to spread autism awareness in France. It was really just for, like, French people, because there was, there was, like, no awareness that I could find online. And that was the okay. goal. But then it kind of, like, started getting bigger and bigger. People could relate. I was meeting people that I could relate to. So it started as a community. And it just kind of snowballed from there. But, yeah. It kind of exploded pretty much because a lot of parents out there are like, oh, she knows exactly what I'm talking about. She knows exactly. that. That's amazing, actually. And you are originally from France, right? But you're now living in... Texas. Ah, oh, oh, Texas. Nice, nice, nice. Um, so I've had the opportunity to actually get to learn a little bit more about you through a very mutual friend of ours who's actually one of my best friends, uh, Danny Bowman. So Danny, thank you so much for kind of setting this up and making this happen. Um, and I read quite a bit of your blog posts. Um, something that you said on one of your more recent posts of the Autism Cafe was quite interesting and powerful. Um, you mentioned that, quote unquote, you don't follow this mind hive. Every autistic is an expert on their autism, meaning that is whom they should feel free to speak about. Noah can speak for the entire autistic community. So as someone who has been very vocal, open and honest about being autistic um, for the past 10 years, um, before a lot of this sort of, I guess you can say, division within the autism community, I can 100% relate to what you're saying. Um, what made you decide that you needed to say that? Just out of curiosity. I mean, there are just a lot of people online who are trying to 
on behalf of the entire community and I really don't like that. People will say, well, autistic people think the puzzle piece is a hate symbol. Autistic people want to be called autistic. And I don't agree with all of these things and I know a lot of people who don't agree. And so trying to like fit everybody into that one mold is just doesn't that one work. Box. Yeah, the one. We're individuals, right? We're going to have yes. different preferences and it's not fair to try to speak on behalf of the community, especially because, as you know, 26.7% of autistic people have profound autism, which means that they can't mm -hmm. self-advocate for themselves. So there's no way to include their voice in those social media discussions. So I really don't want other people speaking on behalf of those who can't speak for themselves. Absolutely. And it's actually really interesting that you bring that up because I've actually found myself in that exact same position where, you know, people have been like, oh, well, why do you use the puzzle piece symbol and all that? I'm like, well, I use it for my own reasons. I use it as a symbol of progress. See, I don't like to say that, oh, I'm this, you know, perfect person. I'm always consistently improving on things and I'm consistently making myself better as a person. But what I don't appreciate, and I actually have to agree with that, is people trying to change the perceptions and make it seem like, oh, why are you supporting that? Why are you not supporting this? And I have gone into some scuffles or some arguments with people where I'm just like, okay, look, you don't have to agree with the way that I see my autism, but you can't force me to see it from your point of view. Because see, you're not the one that has my autism. I'm the one that has it. And so I can honestly absolutely relate to what you're saying, because obviously, you know, we are extremely divided, the autism community. And instead of talking about it face-to-face -face and having these meaningful conversations, there seems to just be a lot of bickering online. If we can figure out, hey, let's actually talk about it in person and let's try to see how we can meet eye to eye. Let's not, you know, bicker online. Because honestly, social media sometimes, as we all know, can be quite the negative uh, headspace. So I really appreciate you being able to actually share what you mean by that. Because what you say really hits a lot of nails on the head. Yeah, of course, I'm glad you agree. So tell me a little bit about your family life, especially your three wonderful children, uh, Charlie, Jude, and Billy. Did I get all those right? Okay, awesome. Um, so two of them are autistic. And, and as I said earlier, you're in a very unique position of being a mom on the autism spectrum and raising your kids. Um, what is the day-to-day -day life like for you, if I may ask, and if it's not crossing any lines? No, I mean, it's, uh, it's a lot, you know, because we all have different needs, because we're all different people. And sometimes our needs just collide, you know. Charlie, for instance, likes to make messes and something I really don't like are messes. So like, how do you find that balance between like your needs and the needs of your children? Um, and I think, honestly, I'm just like very thankful that Charlie is able to go to ABS therapy uh, daily oh. because that's, you know, first of all, they help him a lot, but also I can catch a break uh, because I, I need that, you know. It's really difficult to care for someone who needs 24-7 care and support. And, you know, right now he has those behaviors where he will eat anything that's left, you know, in his sight. In, like they just found a screw, a screw in his colon a couple of weeks ago during a colonoscopy. So, you know, it's, it's a lot. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, 
I do it by having breaks. It's important for parents to, you know, take, make time for themselves. Absolutely. As someone um, whose mom was consecutively, who gave up her full-time job to raise me and my younger sister, I can understand. I really appreciate that info because I think that sometimes, you know, we could be like, oh, I've always wondered what it's like for parents of children on the spectrum, but as well being on the spectrum, it's not easy and I can understand that. So what have you learned um, from Charlie and Jude? Because I, because from what I've heard, those are your two autistic children, right? What have yeah, you learned, that's learned from them? I mean, so much. I mean, first of all, they couldn't be any more different. They are like complete opposite on everything. Like Judy is constantly talking. Charlie is uh, nonverbal. Judy is gifted. Charlie has intellectual disability. Um, I mean, you know, Judy is pickier on certain things like food. I will say like Judy is a lot pickier than Charlie. So. It's like it really shows you how it's a spectrum. And, you know, Charlie has much, much higher needs than Jude. But, you know, it's Charlie it's really taught me to just, like, appreciate the moment and uh, that sometimes you really don't need much to, to be happy. I mean, you just look at Charlie, he'll sit on the ground, play with rocks and dirt, and he's, like, as happy as he can be. Yeah. You know, there's, there's beauty in that. It's... Uh, Sometimes it makes me a little sad because I'm like, well, you could be playing on the playground instead of playing with the rocks on the floor and getting all dirty and completely ignoring everything. But at the same time, it's, it's kind of nice. So it's, you know, it's bittersweet. Um, and Jude is just, he teaches me everything. His brain is just constantly working. He's like so good at chess now. He has a really? very mathematical, logical brain. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Uh, then I guess I better be nervous if I ever play Judy the game of chess. I might as well just say checkmate and move on. <laughs> now, in addition to being the founder of Autism Cafe, you have written two successful books, including your first book, All Across the Spectrum, that was released in 2019. You talk more in depth about life as well as showcasing some of your fabulous photography. Um, what made you want to write a book about overcoming the impossible and persevering for those that you love so very much? It's just always been a dream of mine to to write a book because at school the one thing I really loved was writing, you know, in French at the time. Um, and I felt like I had a story to tell being, a, you know, it was years ago now, a lot, of, a lot more people are diagnosed with autism, but at the time yes. it was less. And I felt like my story was interesting being autistic myself, raising a child that's on the spectrum and and yet we're so different. And after that, my son Jude was diagnosed too. But yeah, I just, and you know, I wanted to do it in a way that helped other parents feel less alone because when Charlie was diagnosed, I felt so lonely, you know? It was like, even within the autism autistic community, it was hard to, to meet people who understood like the very severe challenges Charlie experiences, you know? I can actually relate. Yeah, it's it's hard for people to relate. I feel like unless you leave it, you just don't. You know, a lot of people have uh, children like, like Jude, and, you know, there are challenges, but it's so different from having a child like Charlie who, you know, has very dangerous behaviors, and it's when it's 24-7 care that you need to provide. So I, I really wanted to, uh, you know, connect with parents who, who get it and make them feel less alone, even 
you know, parents of kids all over the spectrum, but especially yeah. those like Charlie. Yeah. And it's absolutely really true that you talk about because autism is a spectrum. It's not black or white. Like there's so many different colors. There's so many different gray areas and there's so many different layers, um, which I can absolutely relate to on that. In terms of overcoming the impossible, I really applaud you for really being so open and vulnerable for talking about it because not very many like back then you know let's say 10 years ago not very many people were talking about being autistic and now when you look 10 years later we're seeing it a lot over mainstream media so it's showing that you know it's totally okay to talk about it it's totally okay to open up and be vulnerable about a subject that really affects everyone and i think that what you're doing is sending a powerful message thank you so so your second book, Be The One, was released in 2021. And this book revolves more about deep feelings and the power of one's vulnerability. You mentioned in the book that, quote, the best validation that you can get is your own. It's feeling so good about what you bring into the world that people's validation doesn't matter. Now, as someone who is constantly in the spotlight in regards to autism, <laughs> did you learn anything about yourself from writing this book or did you get any reaffirmations about yourself that you once remembered? Yeah, it's more about reaffirmation. I mean, I get so much hate on, on social media and sometimes, I mean, Honestly, if you don't have thick skin, it's easy to, to doubt yourself and what you're putting out there. So if you're always looking for approval from people who don't even know you, I mean, it's not, it's not healthy. So I think that's what I meant with that quote. But I really wrote this book be because it's hard for me to communicate how I'm feeling like directly. Yeah. But like through writing, like in an indirect way like that, I, I can do it. And also because when I see posts that I can relate to on social media, I'm talking about writing, it makes me feel so good. It's like I finally feel like understood, right? And that's why I wanted to write that book about like big feelings and because people tend to hide feelings yes. for themselves. You know, there's some shame around big emotions and I wanted to tell people it's okay to feel. Yeah. And big, big emotions are hard to talk about. Um, you know, and, and when I read your book, that quote honestly really stuck out to me because I myself I can't really relate in terms of what you've been through over social media, but I have really understood what it's like to be ostracized and sort of be um, abandoned. I was bullied severely and antagonized growing up in the public school setting. Um, and this was around a time when I was masking my autism to a point where I did not want anyone to know that I was autistic. And it wasn't until I left home for the first time, moved down on my own, and I really rediscovered myself and really realizing, okay, you know what, this is a second chance at life. I don't want to miss anything that I'm going to live to regret. Like you say, sometimes it's hard to talk about big emotions, but through journaling, but through blocking about it, it gets better. And, you know, you feel a lot more better about yourself when doing that. And so I couldn't agree more with you on that. So thank you for sharing that. So in addition to being a blog host and an author, you also host your own podcast called Adulting on the Spectrum. You have spoken with some of my fellow Love on the Spectrum cast members, such as Kaylin and Danny. And on your latest episode, you actually spoke with famous Hollywood composer, 
John Frizzle, who recently revealed his autism diagnosis to the world. As someone who has just started out on doing his own podcast, I really admire the conversations that you have with your guests. What made you decide that you wanted to sit down and have these conversations with other autistic adults like we are now? So, you know, it's funny, it wasn't my idea. Uh, my co-host, Andrew, asked me if I wanted to do this, and I said yes, and uh, but honestly, at first I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to take on another project, but now I just love it so much. <laughs> it's so nice. You know, I get to meet so many cool people, and we really interview, like, such a wide variety of people on the spectrum. Um, wow. It's it's interesting, and you can really tell how people are so different from each other. It really shows that spectrum. One more time, you should come on on the podcast. I take that as my formal uh, invitation. I would love to. I would love to. You know, I have. It's funny because I haven't really done much podcast interviewing until I did um, a panel at the Autism Investor Summit um, with Danny Sabode and Artie. I'm sure you probably know who Sabode and Artie are from the show. And it was such a mind-opening experience. And I was approached um, to do other podcasts. And I'm just like, oh, wait, they want to hear my story? They want to hear what I have to say? Like it's, like, it's weird talking about it on a podcast, but at the same time, it's also exciting because, you know, you're really kind of opening the doors to what life is like for other people. And so I will definitely take you up on that invitation. Um, I think it's super exciting, and thank you. Um, so, Eileen, we're heading into the last few months of 2023. I can't believe this year is flying by so fast. Um, tell us a little bit about any up-and-coming plans you have for the remainder of this year. And what can we expect from the Autism Cafe or possible up-and-coming books in the new year or coming sooner? <laughs> so, good question. Thank you for asking. I have uh, well, a doc two document, little documentary that are going to be coming out. One very really? soon. Yeah next month, uh, very short, like it's more like a YouTube short film about uh, Charlie and, you know, the PICA and severe challenges, but also, you know, my, my life. Um, and the other one is going to be next year. It's a longer documentary that's going to be going to uh, film festivals uh, and stuff. Wow. I'm excited about. Yeah. So that's super exciting. And what inspired you to do these documentaries, like these short subjects? I just... I I feel like uh, profound autism is not represented enough on, on social media. And I just really wanted to tell that side of the story. And also, I'm hoping that this will help get uh, people more services and support. It's been really, really, really difficult for me to get services for Charlie. And, you know, I feel like part of it is that a lot of people only speak about the positive of autism and it's hard to advocate for services and support if we only talk about the good side right so i just wanted to show that side too well i'm definitely looking forward to seeing it and when did these documentaries come out no official date but soon so one in uh, october november and the other one new year january ah. Yeah. So stay tuned, stay tuned, people. I love that. <laughs> so Eileen, I have one last question for you. So as we talked about um, a lot throughout this episode, um, autism is a spectrum. 
it's not black or white. It's a variety of colors. It's a variety of gray areas. And autism has become more mainstream now more than ever. People are becoming more aware and accepting of autism at an enormous rate. And my question is this. What would you like to say to all the people out there that are not autistic but want to know how to better help support and encourage other people on the autism spectrum? That's a good question. Um, I think if you want to advocate for other autistic people, you got to ask them individually what it is that they need because like we talked about, it's such a broad spectrum. And if they can't, answer you themselves because some people just won't be able to advocate for themselves then ask their caregiver because they deserve a voice in the conversation too you know and i think it's important to hear everybody's stories and to not don't think that just because you've met one autistic person you know you know everything about autism no. because no. you don't you really don't though and that's something that is so important because we, we say it all the time if you've met only one person with autism you really have only met one person it is such a wide spectrum of different people on the spectrum and i think that's definitely something that i hope that moving forward people will really kind of get a better idea of because I find it some, sometimes hard to explain my own autism to my own friends or even my own girlfriend. Like, they ask me questions and I'm just like, well, it's, you know, it's just some, sometimes like when I don't communicate, you know, the greatest, it's not because I'm not interested, but sometimes it's like, you know, maybe my eye contact is not the greatest or I'm not giving off the right cue. So it's something that I always work on, but I like stepping up to the challenge. It's fun. Um, well, listen, Eileen, you have been an absolute joy to have on this episode and i am incredibly excited to see what things um are coming up for you please feel free to come back to this podcast anytime you'd like i would love to hear any up-and-coming projects that you're doing um if every one of you out there liked what you heard on this episode and you want to hear other episodes or stay tuned for future ones, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Autistically Unapologetic. I'm Devin Morrissey, and we'll see you right here next time on Autistically Unapologetic. Thanks for listening to this episode of Autistically Unapologetic with Devin Morrissey. If you like what you hear and you want to see more, don't forget to rate and subscribe to stay tuned for future episodes. Again, thanks for listening.